right, all right. Good morning, good morning. Well, I'm ready to preach a little bit this morning. Let me get some coffee in me a little bit. Yeah, well, we're back to our core subject this morning, the book of Exodus, right? <laughs> I know we've been doing this one for a while, probably carry us into the new year, but I think it's good, right? I, I think one thing we should always uh, deeply keep in mind is that this story isn't about Moses. This is a story about God and how he interacts with his people and how he ultimately saves and redeems his people. And this needs to be how we, how we focus on this book. That way it'll give us the, the proper outlook as we kind of peer into the scriptures uh, and follow along. Um, this book is not written so that you would know Moses. This book is written so that you would know God. Everything that God does is so that you would know him. So we left off in chapter eight with Pharaoh dealing with like frogs and gnats. And if you want to go ahead and turn there, we will uh, we'll jump right in and into our text today. Let's give you a few minutes. Exodus chapter eight. All right, are we there? Say amen. Good. Verse 16, just through 19. We'll keep it real short there and then probably add a few more as we go. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust off the earth so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand and his staff and he struck the dust of the earth and there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in the land of Egypt. Magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. All right, let's pray this morning. God, I know that you've begun a good work in us, God, and I know you will see us faithfully through it, Lord, as we jump into your word this morning. I ask that you would do a special work in making it alive to us, God. Awaken our hearts. Awaken our hearts from uh, being comfortable, God, from, uh, Lord, from uh, any kind of things that would made us lackadaisical, God. Father, awaken us this morning to revival within us. Use your word to spur us on to works, God, and, and faithfulness, God, and that we may see others uh, come to know you, Lord, and your body of believers grow according to your will. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And uh, everybody says, amen, amen. All right. Well, up until this point, the magicians, you know, they'd been able to perform every task. But here they are, and they're stumped. However, this, you know, this continual denial of who God is has cost Pharaoh, it's cost him his heart. It, it, his heart has become as hard as stone and immovable. However, the magicians, not so much, right? They relent. They are saying, hey, Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. And at some point, I mean, it, they'd reached their limit, right? It was enough for them. They, they had reached the end of their uh, magic. Uh, but listen, the magic had already cast doubts into Pharaoh. Their work had already done the job. Now, Pharaoh reeks with pride and arrogance. He's at a place where he'd rather die than give in. And listen, before we judge him real quick, can I, 
Can I just ask you, have you ever been there? Have you ever been so mad and so angry at something that you refuse to budge? I mean, I've done a lot of dumb things because of stubbornness. Anyway, so, so the Lord sent flies, right? And for the sake of reading a ton of scriptures with the same outcome, I'm just going to jump to the conclusion of, of each plague. And chapter 8, verse 32, But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. This didn't, obviously that didn't work, right? So the Lord sends a plague upon all the livestock. That's Exodus 9, verse 7. But the Pharaoh hardened, uh, the, the heart of the Pharaoh was hardened and he did not let people go. Once more, Pharaoh obviously doesn't budge. So the, the Lord sends boils, Exodus 9, 12. But the Lord hardened the Pharaoh, the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had spoken to Moses. So the Lord sends hail now and he gets Pretty, pretty bad, right? Bad enough that Pharaoh is frightened into relenting. However, Exodus 9, 34 and 35, but when Pharaoh saw that the rain and hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart, he and his servants, so that the heart of Pharaoh was hardened and he did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord has spoken uh, to, through Moses. So the Lord sent another one, right? He sent locusts and even like a, a strange darkness Exodus 10, 28, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let them go. So many times, Pharaoh is given a chance to turn back. Why? Because the grace of God is at work. Even in Pharaoh, God humbles the proud and uses them to bring glory to himself. In Romans 9, 17, Paul offers this truth for the scripture says to Pharaoh for this very purpose I have raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth and church the implication here is that even Pharaoh's hard heart serves the will of God could the Lord just as easily have been done after one plague absolutely but the apostle Peter reveals to us that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but his patience toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all reach repentance. This can only lead us to see the revelation of God's sovereignty here. There is no end to this revelation. You will spend your entire life trying to understand the mystery of God's will and purpose. Listen, it's beyond us. Though we get glimpses of it here and there throughout not only the scriptures, but our lives, in this particular case, we see God using Pharaoh, his enemy, to accomplish his means. In this particular case, the Lord wants to be known as the deliverer and the redeemer of the Israelites, and he's accomplishing it through signs and wonders. Exodus 10, 1 and 2. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them. And that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your grandson how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them. And that, and that you may know that I am the Lord. Listen, guys, this is not going to be a theme just for this book. It's pretty much the theme throughout the Old Testament. Through the prophet Jeremiah, we see that God has this desire to be known. Jeremiah 24, 7, I will give them a heart to, and here's that phrase again, Know that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God for they shall return to me with their whole heart. From there to Ezekiel, whose book could be summed up under the same banner, we find even more traces of this phrase 
and, 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 and really theology of how everything that happens is so you may, here's that phrase, know that I am the Lord. Listen to God through the prophet Ezekiel when he's angry, Ezekiel 5, 13. Thus shall my anger spend itself and I will vent my fury upon them and satisfy myself and they shall know that I am the Lord that I have spoken in my jealousy when I spend my fury upon them. So even when correction comes, I experience it because God wants me to know that he is the Lord. This, 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 this phrase, to know that I am the Lord, is a reassuring theme uh, throughout the entire Bible. I, I could go on from scripture to scripture. It, it's created this idea in me that for every joy of my life, every blessing of my life and every even every painful and struggling moment of my life has arrived to me so that I would know that he is the Lord over all of it. And this brings us to one obvious conclusion. God wants to be known. God wants to be known. Jeremiah 9, 23, thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. God wants to be known. This whole book is dedicated to one objective, that you would know the one true living God, period. This entire purpose, uh, this is the entire purpose of Jesus Christ, right? The apostle John revealed in his letters that this was the purpose, right? That we know that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. Our whole purpose, our whole purpose as Christians as followers of Jesus, the Son of God is to what? Make known God the Father whose will it was for Jesus to come down and be a sacrifice for many. This is part of our teaching this morning as, as, as a fundamental basic that you need to understand in your walk with God. And the realization of it helps you in the everyday parts of your life. Once you come to grips with all that happens in your life as some sort of lesson that you that, that should be drawing you closer in relationship with God, with knowing God, listen, it will soften the blows of hardship while sweetening the joy that can be found. Ultimately, just being honest, most people never find this, right? Many people always, they mostly find themselves at odds with God. They're like Pharaoh, having allowed pride to swallow them whole and, and they lack any, any real or true repentance. And, and repentance is, is a pretty easy thing to understand. It means a, a summons to a personal and absolute and ultimate unconditional surrender to God as sovereign, right? Pharaoh relents, but he never repents. Did you pay attention to what he did? He gave in at times to get what he wanted, but because of his heart never changing, it never surrendered to the sovereignty of God. He never repented. I've experienced this a lot in ministry and, and in life. People, people come to church 
which they interpret to mean follow Jesus. When it's convenient, they come when it best suits their life. They're not necessarily following Jesus for his heart half as much as they are for his hands. Let me say it again. They aren't necessarily following Jesus for his heart half as much as they are for his hands. And once they've received what they want, they leave until the next time it gets difficult or, or hard. They unplug from the body. And then they wonder where the arms and the feet of the body are when they need them. They find themselves perpetually immature. And then they wonder why they're still struggling with the same things they've always struggled with. And yet they never fully and unconditionally surrender. These people are the pharaohs of life, hardened by their own pride and their own stubbornness to relinquish their whole and complete life to Jesus. It's nothing new. The Apostle Paul struggled with this in the Galatians church, Galatians 4.9. Paul said, but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you you want to be once more. And he answers his own questions as he deals with the spiritual decay in Ephesus in Ephesians 4.18. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. A hard heart is a dangerous thing. It creates depression, creates ignorance, it leads to slavery, and it ultimately alienates you from God. Too many people struggle with this. Too many people have, like, like the Galatians, have walked backwards on their Christian walk, right? They have stepped back into fleshly prisons of their own voluntary will. They refuse to repent. How important is repentance? Let's just put it this way. Both John and Jesus began their ministries preaching it. Uh, and a little side note, by the way, all good ministries should be preaching it. And why is it so important to get that right? Because sin affects everyone. Pharaoh's sin affected all of Israel. His failure to repent and let the children of Israel out of captivity cost not only him, but everyone in the entire land. Remember the sin of Achan in Joshua 7? Achan hid unclean objects, objects that God specifically told them not to take. His sin cost Israel the lives of some of its warriors in battles, his sons and his daughter's lives, and ultimately it cost him his own life. And it's not, this isn't a new thing. This has been the case against sin from the beginning. From the sin of Adam and Eve, it passed on to all mankind. Romans 5, 12, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and, and so death spread to all men because all sin. What you do or don't do affects others. Plain and simple, guys. I will, uh, let's begin to close. I've got a, a fable for you that I think you will appreciate this morning. It's an old one. It says a donkey and a fox had become close comrades and were constantly in each other's company. While the donkey cropped a fresh bit of greens, the fox would devour a chicken from a neighboring farmyard or a bit of cheese filched from the, the dairy. One day the 
pair unexpectedly met a lion. Donkey was very much frightened, but the fox calmed his fears. I will talk to him, he said. So the fox walked boldly up to the lion. Your Highness, he said in an undertone so the donkey could not hear him. I've got a fine scheme in my head. If you promise not to hurt me, I will lead that foolish creature yonder into a pit where he can't get out, and you can feast at your pleasure. The lion agreed, and the fox returned to the donkey. I made him a promise not to hurt us, said the fox. But come, I know a good place to hide till he's gone. So the fox led the donkey into a deep pit, but when the lion saw that the donkey was his for the taking, he first of all struck down the traitor fox. The wickedness of the fox was rewarded by the wickedness of the lion. Sin begets sin. From the hardened hearts of Pharaoh to those of all the people of Egypt. And yet God used this horrible, horrible time as an opportunity to create a relationship with his people to make his name known to all nations. A few things I hope you take away. Maybe some great questions for you in reflection. Do you know him? Maybe more importantly, does God know you? Are you guilty of only relenting to the will of God when it suits you? Or are you obedient and faithful? Do you repent when it's time to and when you need to repent? Have you experienced that fact that your sin affects others? Maybe it hadn't yet. But I'm going to tell you, the Egyptians could verify this, that it's only a matter of time. Sin begets sin. You keep living your life no different than the fox. Let's pray. Lord, I pray you use this to convict us this morning, God, the things we should be repenting for. Lord, that more importantly, there should be nothing that should divide us from knowing you and from you knowing us, God. Lord, that's our heart's prayer this morning. In Jesus' name.